When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Hey guys, welcome back to the Art of Craftsmanship podcast. My name is Dustin O'Hara and I'm here with my co-host and brother, Devin. Hello. And today we're back in the shop, just he and I. We're going to be talking about another video again today. So, Devin, go ahead and get us started. Put on my dramatic voice for this one. <laughs> of the four elements, air, earth, water, and fire, man stole only one from the gods, fire. And with it, man forged his will upon the world. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's, that's a serious, dramatic voice there. That's right. The makery. Up <laughs> before elements. You know, reach out there. to Craig. I think Devin's got a good voice for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So can I, let's see. Can I try to guess who it's from? Um, I, is it? Is you, it like a... You won't guess. Okay. Is it a? Is it like a pre... You know, like a like a Roman, early Roman or something, or, or Greek. From a man named Onanomus. Oh yeah, Onanomus, <laughs> famous Greek hippopotamus. Hippopotamus. Yes, we don't know where it came from. All right, but it's so kind of cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. The four four uh, elements: air, earth, water, and fire. It's kind of true. I mean, I guess we have moved a lot of earth to do stuff, but it's all been with fire. Right. Yeah. And I mean, when when humans figured out how to cook things too right that was a that was the start that was the turning point of you know civilization i think Mm -hmm. and you go from just finding and eating what you have foraging and hunting and then going to actually like cooking right and you can you know using fire to heat yourselves and then you can make shelter and put a fire inside the shelter to warm yourselves and stay alive in the barren wastelands of the north and then everything else after that is all forged from the fire right yeah And, and blacksmiths had uh have helped create pretty much everything. Right. Yeah. And that's, I think, you know, that's the key too, is that the blacksmith was the, everything, everyone needed the blacksmith to be able to work, to do anything. Cause any tool, 
obviously after you had stone tools, obviously it's pre blacksmiths, but you know, once, once the blacksmith was around and could actually forge and make stuff, including their own tools, right. then everyone came to the blacksmith. Yep. Like I think the one we talked about last week was the castle, um, the castle YouTube channel, right. They're like making the castles and stuff. And that specifically, you know, like you said, the blacksmith was there. He sharpened everybody's tools. He made all the tools, you know, everything is, everything goes around the blacksmith as well as like making the coal, you know, I think early blacksmiths had to figure out what was the best way to forge. And I think, don't quote me on this, but I think that it was by happenstance that they were using certain types of coal in the forge and that's what was like adding iron and carbon into their iron or right. it was adding carbon into their iron which yeah, was the, w- then was making steel right they were getting some things that had more right uh, just a carbon better content uh, yeah, and it, they, yeah. they, they might they probably didn't know for a long time right but they, they understood that if they used wood from this tree and they they treated it right. this way and they cooked it in right. the ground for a certain amount of time and then they made you know they forged their tools and weapons out of that it was harder and held an edge better and lasted longer and yeah. Right. Before they knew the exact formula, obviously right. that came a lot later. I like that though, that like earth, wind and water were something that, that was just there. Right. And we haven't really, you know, you haven't really tamed them, obviously. I mean, right. you can, you can get energy from them and right. water and dam up things and, but you don't use them for as much as we do right. flame fire. That That's the birth of civilization right exactly yeah stolen from the gods and used to forge our way into the world that's right <laughs> kill the gods forged, forged his will upon the world yeah that's awesome it's kind of cool cool and uh yeah i mean that's what we're gonna be talking about a lot of blacksmithing stuff yep yeah we're gonna go into our uh our forging the display hooks video um but we'll start off first everyone's had a question specifically about forging and getting into forging yeah since um since Dustin has kind of started out and over the last couple of years been learning and stuff. And since our channel has the tag of your next first project, right? The podcast. So yeah. what, if, if you want to start blacksmithing, what are the bare basics? Like if you only had a hundred bucks or, or 150 bucks, okay. What, how could you get started? How could you start moving metal around? Well, <clears throat> uh, you need, Three main things. So you need a hammer, uh, and you need an anvil surface, so a hard surface to hit on, and then you need a heat source. Hmm. Once you have these those three things, then you can find any steel, any mild steel or hardenable steel, and use those to shape and start practicing. Uh, so I would suggest, um, if you're just getting started, you know, obviously I always say if you can spend more money, you spend more money, because if you can, you're going to get a better quality product. Uh, but if you only have a certain amount of money, you want to get started or you just want to, you're not even sure if it's something you want to do and you don't have access to a class nearby. Cause that would be my other thing. If you're going to get started, like take it, take a class. You could probably find a pretty inexpensive class. Um, and they'll have that stuff there in, you know, better quality. I, I think that's a good point. A lot of people, they, they just want to try it and they don't have anywhere nearby. They don't know if there's a class or there's a, some forge. Right. They want to just move some stuff or, or, or start a little, let me try this. So they're definitely not going to buy the best stuff. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not going to invest, you know, 
three grand into something. Right, exactly. Figure out I don't like it or I'm not good at it. Yeah. And that's that's another reason why I would suggest if you can, if you have somewhere nearby, take a class again, because then you don't have to buy it. You don't have to spend any of the money. You just spend the money on the class and then you get an expert there working with you over your shoulder, teaching you some stuff or, you know, hopefully an expert, but somebody who's done it before and has <laughs> right. all the stuff, the things that are, you know, close by to be able to show you. So they would have the anvil and the hammers and the forge and the steel and all that. Uh, I did take a class when I first started, um, or not really when I first started, but early on. Uh, and I took, a, I took a class. I don't remember off the top of my head. I think it was 120 bucks for a, like a four hour class. It was just a nail making class. And, uh, and it, yeah, it, it was really nice to be able to be there with the teacher and have the good tools and the anvils and all the hammers were there and the propane was there. And, you know, the amount of gas that we used and steel, I mean, obviously it's not, doesn't exactly equal the $120 that I paid for the class, but the information that I gained was, was really good. Uh, but if you're not, if you don't have a class nearby and you don't, you're not able to, uh, you know, find a resource nearby. So like, like you said, a forge or someone who's already working, you know, if there is, you always stop in and say hi or whatever, or send them an email, you know, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're going to go in and under the guise of, I want to purchase something and then start talking to the guys and let them know you're kind of interested and in, more than likely they're going to be maybe not right in that minute. Cause you know, they're always working, but you know, they always, there's most people who enjoy stuff. If you show some interest, then they're going to want to do it with you. They're going to give you some information like, Oh, it's so cool. You know, try this out or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I would say, you know, get yourself a hammer, um, like a two to three pound hammer is probably a really good, good place to start. Three is a little heavy. Um, if you can find a two pound hammer, that's maybe, maybe, you know, anywhere two, two and a half or three pound is kind of what you want to get started with. It's a good, uh, good weight to move steel and, um, you know, also to build up some of your arm strength a little bit. Uh, and you can find, you know, hammers at any place you can use a regular, you know, just a, a normal, uh, nail pulling carpenter's hammer. If you have that, if that's right. what you already have, you can use it. Now those aren't normally going to be heavy enough. So, right. You, you take more, um, it's more energy of you're supposed to let the hammer do the work, right? right. So, so that you're really you're really doing a lot of the work that way. I mean, you can just to mess around. Yeah. But But uh, if you can find a two or three pound hammer, um, you know, I'd say if you can only buy one hammer, I'd say buy a cross peen hammer, then you have that cross peen on the back, which gives you the ability to, uh, localize your striking into like a line so that way you can spread out material easier. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'd say you can get a cross peen hammer from most big hardware places for a couple bucks, you know, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, something under $20 and it would work fine. Right. Okay. Just make sure that. So then your heat source. So yeah, the heat source, uh, I would suggest going, um, if you want to just try to, you know, heat up some steel and hit it, uh, the cheapest way to go about that would be to, uh, just kind of cobble together a simple, um, coal forge. What I did one of the first time when I first started heat treating knives, I took an old wok and I actually bought the wok from goodwill or salvation arm or something for two or three dollars <laughs> i drilled a series of holes in the bottom of the walk so maybe six or seven holes that were all within a half an inch to an inch of each other a little pattern of holes and then i uh i i kind of half buried that walk in the ground and i dug a trench and uh ran a like a six foot one inch pipe underground to that hole uh, and then attached a hairdryer to the end of the pipe so I had a hairdryer attached to the pipe running underground, which was then just, you know, fed into the pretty much the empty hole 
which was then covered up by the wok. And so all the air that was pumped into the pipe from the hairdryer blew up from below, and I started a fire inside the wok using just normal charcoal briquettes from a charcoal. Why do grill. you bury the... Uh... Why'd you bury the airline? Uh, because, um, or I guess, why'd you put the walk in a underground? Yeah, yeah, because it was the easiest way to uh, to get the air to go into the walk where I wanted it without attaching, like without a flange or something. I mm. guess if I if I had a flange, I could have run a flange in, and then you could run a, like a black pipe out of the flange, right? Um, kind of like what's on the bottom of that. Of what? Of, the, yeah, the, the vice. So, oh, right. So, you know, I could have just a little flange and something, mm. something to like a funnel that goes into the bottom. That would be better. You know, you could do that. So you could spend uh, under $100 or something, maybe under $50 to make a really cheap uh, coal forge. Right. But, um, yeah, but I would say, but by the time you get there, that much effort, you might as well do the little, little the bucket, bucket forge like you have. Right. Uh, so, so the bucket forge that I made after I did the coal forge, which is actually shortly after, because I, like I said, I, I didn't spend that much. I might've spent 10 bucks total or something. I had a piece of pipe, I had my wife's hair dryer and, uh, (laughs) and the, the wok and, you know, probably the most expensive thing was the charcoal briquettes to put into the forge and that worked. Um, and it heated up the steel and actually, again, like I said, I was using it for heat treating, not necessarily for forging, but it definitely got it up to. Uh, non-magnetic and up to red heat, which is high enough to be able to forge with. It's a good start there, but if you want to build a coal, uh, small propane forge, um, there are lots of really nice videos on YouTube. Like you can do uh, coffee can forges that are either smaller, but it's all basically the same idea that you're creating um, a refractory forge uh, made out of refractory, whatever you can get for a refractory, um, and then you have a cavity on the inside of it. Uh, my cavity was a four inch PVC pipe, which I put in there and then a one inch, um, inlet coming in from the side of the bucket. So four inch cavity from the front that was maybe, it might be eight inches deep. Um, and then a one inch pipe coming from the side, which then I just have a propane torch that I just hook up to my, uh, my propane tank, like a normal grill tank and then run in the side. And I built a little wooden jig thing to hold it in the right spot so it let air in and actually <clears throat> just recently i had someone ask about that forge uh they said they had built it and they weren't getting a lot of they weren't get it wasn't getting hot enough mm-hmm. um so i gave him a couple pointers and one of the things he asked specifically was how much space do you have around the nozzle and the propane torch and mine's actually a one inch tube, uh, tube. Mm. and the the nozzle is probably like a half inch yeah, it's about a half inch. So there's plenty of air around it, and I actually have it so it sits up right in the middle, and the air coming around it I think really helps to get like nice good airflow flowing in around it to pump that in. But that works really well. It worked. It works well enough to do heat treating, <clears throat> and depending on uh, what you want to do, you could actually uh, buy a burner or something like that to attach to it and have an actual like burner that you can change and add more more or less fuel to using a regulator. But the little propane, uh, the little bucket forge worked really well for for what I needed it for, and it worked for a while, and it got me into blacksmithing enough to keep going, to want to keep going. Right. And I think that's kind of what this whole thing is about. So you have your hammer, so two to three pound crossbeam hammer. Uh, The forge you can use, uh, a little coal forge you can make, or you make a bucket forge. You could also buy a, um, like a, um, 
little devil forge they have them they sell them for 100 to 125 dollars something like that so if you wanted to step up and go you could purchase a devil forge and that's usually got like one burner and it's relatively small rectangular box but those work really well uh, and then the last thing you need is some type of anvil um, i have a harbor freight 55 pound anvil which is pretty junky <laughs> <laughs> and this the <clears throat> the face is not very hard which is what you really want you want a hardened face and that will give you rebound which will make it easier to forge on because your hammer is you when you're striking it's bouncing back up so it's taking that you know you don't you're not working so hard to pull back up every time um so yeah so i have that little anvil and it's worked for what i needed to it's done everything i've needed to right. so far you it, know it's a little frustrating sometimes and the face is not very hard it, um, it just takes more effort it just takes more effort with it. yeah and it and it you know i've i've pretty much ruined it it really needs i need a better anvil if anyone's listening out there and has an anvil they want to sell me for a decent price or you have like your grandfather's anvil or there's one in a barn you reached out to us at the art of craftsmanship at gmail <laughs> let me know i'm in maryland so they're they're hard to find they are hard to find and and it's also popular blacksmithing is really popular right now so the prices of things have gone up a lot right. which is unfortunate but that's <laughs> how the cookie crumbles um but you could also get like a piece of railroad track that's hardened so that would work well if you can find one um i actually found a piece I found two pieces. One was probably about 18 inches. The other one was about 15 inches um, at a junk shop, you know, thrift store kind of off the beaten path, uh, antique slash, you know, junk store. Right. Um, and I think I paid maybe 35 bucks or something for both of them. So mm. that was a pretty good deal. Um, but you could also get a chunk of uh, like hardenable high carbon steel from a scrapyard. If you have a metal scrapyard nearby, you can stop by and get a chunk, maybe get something that's like four by four inches or six by four or a big round stock. A lot of times I'll have round stock that might be four or five inches in diameter. You can buy a piece of something like that and that'll work really well. You just need that hard surface to hit against. So what, what about, um, an old vice, like how they have the, the flat areas on them and the little mini right. uh, horns. Is that something? Why, why do they put the... Is it for simple stuff like that? It is, Or just yeah. a flat surface to knock some stuff around. Maybe not hot, but... Right. It gives you a flat surface to be able to do like small, you know, small hammering if you need to if you're shaping steel and things. Or if you're... Say you're trying to bend a nail or you're straightening out something or... That's true. A bend, you know, bend a piece of rebar or something you clamp it and do it so usually that's just to give you a little bit of a striking surface um, right not necessarily for blacksmithing just. right but there are there are plenty of anvils that are designed for metal shops that have big surfaces on them that you mean could, vices yes yeah yeah they're big big vices um and there's like the blacksmith vice which is a leg vice usually so that has the reason why that's specifically for blacksmithing or that a lot of people use them for blacksmithing is because the screw inside has really big threads. So when you're turning it, usually out of a big handle, as you're turning that handle, it's moving the jaws in and out really quickly. And that's what, you know, time is, is the, oh, right. the essence of blacksmithing. <laughs> so that's why you'll see uh, those leg vices and they're also really popular now. So they're expensive and hard to find too. So, so that's not bad. Maybe a yeah. hundred to $200. You could be, yeah, you could be rolling for yeah, sure. Yeah, or less. I mean, you know, again, you know, if you if you spend a couple bucks, maybe 10 bucks, 15 bucks on your uh on a little coal setup to heat it up and $10 on a hammer and if you can get a chunk of uh some type of anvil or even hard metal surface, it could even be like an I-beam. A lot of people will uh make uh 
Oh yeah, um, right. We'll make I beam anvils too. Obviously, they're not going to be great, but it's it's a hardened piece of steel that you could hammer against. Right. Um, so just getting yourself into it, that's what you could do. So yeah, I would definitely recommend if you guys have any interest in blacksmithing, just just try, just try it out. Get some steel, heat it up, hammer it a little bit, see what it does, and and try messing around with it, and and watch YouTube videos because there's a lot of great uh, blacksmithing YouTube, YouTube right. videos out there's there. There's a lot of pros. Yeah. There's also um, we have a few videos like we said the one we're going to talk about today is the forging display hooks right you can watch that one and um before we get into it something i noticed when watching it was i really kept a lot of long takes on that one and uh i wasn't sure at first i was just sitting i was like wow this is a little bit longer than i normally stay on stuff but right for one i think was that the first forging video we did or, or, no, yeah, I think it might have been because we we've yeah. done we definitely heat treated a lot with right. the bucket forge, right? But we hadn't done, and you hadn't even built your your main uh, right. forge. I did do the video. Um, what was it? The uh, stacked birch bark handle. I can't remember if that one came before or after, but I used the bucket forge to draw out the knife. Uh, that okay, one. so I had the knife shape already kind so of I, shaped, but that might have been. A so I way. guess in this that was one, like the first real, like it, actually forging something to shape from yeah. scratch. So, yeah. so in this one, I noticed a lot of long takes, a lot of really watching close ups what Dustin was doing and wide shots. So if you want to get some like just f- real time footage yeah. of someone shaping it, who's uh, who's done it a few times, but is just right. kind of getting, getting yeah, definitely going. A, yeah, definitely but an it, amateur blacksmith. But it, it, it's it's nice to see, and it, it, they, right. they all came out nice. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's tons of great um, resources on YouTube, and again, because blacksmithing is really popular right now, there's even more people putting out really quality blacksmithing videos. Like I said last week, Timothy Dyke, he does some really cool stuff. Mm. Um, he was my recommendation last week, and then I have another guy for this week, which I'll tell you. But you know, I love like <clears throat> Jason Knight. He does really cool videos and walks you through. He does a lot of live streams as well, which are up on his YouTube channel. Which is great because then you see him, him in real time. Yeah, it's not edited. Oh, right, so right. it might be an hour and a half or two hours of him forging a knife blade. So he's hanging out, talking, and you know, you see how long how long those heats take in between, how long it takes to heat the knife back up, and then the right. you know straightening and hammering and really good like hammering technique and the height of the anvil and all all those things that he'll he'll talk a lot about that stuff in between, which is really nice. Right. So when we um, decided to do some some hooks, uh, my my in laws. They wanted some gun hooks to hang uh, my father-in-law, his his kind of antique guns. He wanted to hang them in the office. He has four of them. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, that's cool. They had put up like a, a nice wood accent wall thing in his right. office. I was like, oh, that's slick. And and she said, do you think Dustin could, could do one of these? So I just texted him. And you were like, yeah, right. I've yeah. already done stuff just like that, right? You had done a few? Yeah, well, I mean, I had, um, I, I looked at what it was. And I, and I knew I could make it. So you said she sent Devin had sent me an image of what they had found something on Pinterest or whatever. They're like, could Dustin could Dustin make this type of thing? And I looked at it and and I could just see as soon as I looked at it, I could see how it was made. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, it's this and this and this. Like, right, yep, it's, I can it's do a that. split on top. Yeah, and they they curl out, and right. then the bottom hook comes down yeah, and around up. about two inches, and then it loops back the other way. Yeah, just decorative. All right, so before we get into talking about the video, I have a surprise for Devin. Devin doesn't know I'm going to do this, but I have put together a quiz, a blacksmithing quiz, that I'm going to ask him some questions now. 
I was so hoping I have, it was just cash. A thousand dollars. So I have a, a forging oh, should quiz. I, should I not look at it? Oh, I guess whatever. I mean, it's just <laughs> the answers aren't here. This is the question. So it's going to embarrass me. All right. So these uh, relate to the video. So it's all something. If if he watched the video as well as he did, as he thought he did last night, he'll know the answers to these. I was laying in bed. So. <laughs> but it's also just some things like um, some blacksmithing knowledge. And I'm just kind of wondering if he's picked up this knowledge off from watching from watching me do some stuff and being around. Do I get so, multiple choice? Uh, nope. You have to answer on your own. And I don't have any prize for you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not playing then. I don't want to play. <laughs> okay. So question one, uh, what ingredients are used in the making of the refractory in the small bucket forge? And I talk about it on the, on the video. There are two, two made ingredients that I mix together. Uh, plaster, Paris, and sand. That's it. Ding, 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 ding. Boom. All right. So one for one, <laughs> uh, here, hold on one second. Now I think I know that one cause I was confused by it when I heard it. Whoa. Wow. That wasn't it at all. What was that? I have a, uh, oh no. All right. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I, uh, this is supposed to be funny and I have a good sound effect for when Devin gets things right. But I, um, so I it's just going to be commercials. Yeah. Hold on. Wait for it, everyone. All right, this is going to be good. So, again, Devin answered correctly. What were the ingredients uh, used in the making of the refractory in the small bucket forge? And that was a one-to-one mixture of plaster, Paris, and sand. So he got that one correct. Let's see. Which would be this sound, I think. <laughs> All right, here it is. Oh, hello. There you go. That was it? That was it. (laughs) Sorry. It's not great, but it's what I could find for free really quickly. Here it is again. Sound like someone got a text. Okay. Uh, Number two, what type of steel did I use to make the display hooks? Um, uh, That's a good question. Mm. Did you... I said it. Some type of... You, it wasn't found steel. Did you buy it? Yes. Okay, so you bought it right, and it was whatever, flat stock. Yep. Uh, something 20? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it was just mild steel. Oh, just mild, mild steel. Mild steel. That's what I said. I'm using mild steel for the first time. I did oh. say it in a little bit. So, okay. uh, Because I have all of my background in forging is is in or my background in heat treating is all for with high carbon steels and things to do knife heat treating so it was actually the first time i'd really just used mild steel to make a project i was like oh this is so easy (laughs) yeah mild steel all right so one for one one for two all right number three what are the two types of hammers called that i used in the video oh man uh so i just talked about one earlier uh i used two different types of hammers uh one of them has a round face and a, a tapered peen end. end. Something with peen? Yeah. They both have the word peen in them. <laughs> Big peen, small peen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got it. <laughs> so I used a cross peen mm. and a ball peen hammer. And the ball peen hammer is actually my my great grand from my great grandfather. So my dad had it in his shop. Um, and I asked about it one day or whatever we were there doing something. And, and he's like, Oh yeah, this is from my grandfather. 
It was a tool that he had from his grandfather. He's like, you can have it. So <laughs> I've been using it. And that, that one is about maybe one and three quarters, something like that. So it's, oh, it's close to two pounds. So it's a nice lighter hammer for when I'm doing just delicate work or, you know, just the scrolls and things or, or when I was bending the top of those hooks. So, right. Um, okay. So number four. Number three. Right. Number third question. four. That was number three was what types of hammers I used. Okay, so I'm I'm one for three. One for three. All right. Number four. What is the name of the tool I used to split the steel for the double hook decoration? Um, the thing that sits in the hardy hole. Mm-hmm. Um, I can picture it. I just <laughs> I just don't know what it is. And you made that one, right? Yes. Yeah. That's a. And this, and these are all things I didn't actually like most of these questions I came up with because I talked about it in the video. Right. I didn't say cross bean and ball peen hammer, but I thought you might be able to get those. I did say it earlier in the podcast though. I don't pay attention to you. <laughs> so the name of the tool I used to split the steel is a, uh, a, a splitting steel. <laughs> it's called a hot cut. Oh, a hot, hot cut. Just tool. hot cut tool. Yep, hot cut tool. Mm. So that's the tool that I used to, when, when the steel was hot, actually, when it was black hot or cooler, I actually used a chisel to mark the line to cut it. And then I put it back into the heat and then I used the hot cut tool in the hardy hole to cut it. All right. Uh-oh. Okay. One for four. Uh, all right. Here we go. Well, this one, you, what is the name of the square hole in the face of the anvil? Hardy hole. Hey. You got it right. Good job. You just said it in the last one. I was like, oh, he's going to get that one right. (laughs) All right. We got two more. All right. So number six, at what color heat did I apply the boiled linseed oil finish? Uh, Black, black, hot, black. Hey. Black heat. (laughs) Yeah. Or when it gets to a black heat. So basically it's in the forge. I let it heat up and I pull it out and just let it cool down until it's black. So it's no longer red. And then it's, I mean, it could probably even be even cooler than that, but. I let it come down to a black heat before we do the finish, which is the mm. boiled linseed oil finish, which is really nice. All right. And the last question, number seven, how many hooks did I forge for the project? Uh, yeah, well, I guess it would be eight hooks. Wait, no way. I got it. <laughs> so yes, I did forge eight hooks, but trick question, I actually forged nine hooks because one of the decorative hook tops broke off when I was splitting it. And so I had to forge an extra. I had to, you know, I was like, so I actually ended up forging because I, I was like. Well, how many did you give them? I only gave them eight. So yes, the, the, the commission was for eight. Right. Yeah, the, the, so I handed them I eight. Forge, yeah. Yeah, so actually, and technically it was only eight and a half because I did the hooks on top and then when I was shaping them and finessing them, one of them broke off. So I actually never actually finished the entire hook because I had to start (laughs) over. All right, well, you lose today. (laughs) You got one, two, and three out of seven. Actually, no, you got got four. So yeah, good job. Four out of seven. You you won. (laughs) Yay. Hey, good job. <laughs> what kind of camera do I have? <laughs> a Nikon. That's it. 3200. Uh, yeah. Hey, I got it right. All right. <laughs> Where's the 3300? <laughs> <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right.
Okay, so we are going to talk about the forging the display hooks video. So I'll just go through it real quick, kind of what we did, um, walk through the steps for you guys, and then we'll talk a little bit about some other stuff and questions and comments and things like that. Um, so with the with the forging display hooks, Devin, um, his in-laws had reached out, like we said, one of those made, and I kind of looked at it and I was thinking, yeah, I can make that. Like I just looked at it and understood how it was made pretty much pretty quickly, um, which is also one of those things that you have as a maker mindset. You automatically look at something and you either think I can make it or how is that made? It's one of those two things. Right. And so I had the confidence that I could do it. So I, I actually made four of them beforehand or four or five or six, something like that. And I knew I'm under, I need to make the last two. So we just decided to film the last two. Um, and show that as a process and how you can work on multiples of things. And, and also just as a fun project, do some forging and fairly simple hook project, something that you could do fairly easy and start off on your own if you're just starting blacksmithing. And it had some, some interesting techniques that are uh, the basis of a lot of blacksmithing, like hot cutting and, um, you know, using tools in the hardy to do shaping, using the horn, using the flats, um, drawing out a point on the end of it. So the first thing I did was I just took, I had um, a flat stock mild steel that was an eighth of an inch thick and three quarters inch wide. And I, uh, first I, w I heated the end up and drew it out to a point. It's kind of a long taper, maybe a two inch or so point. So, you know, nice long kind of leaf taper. Um, and then I marked the center line two inches down from the top of the point and, uh, with the chisel and just like in the, you know, warm state. And then I got into back into the forge and I split the end. So straight down that line, those two inches I split on the, the hot cut tool. So this is like a good way to like learn how to do some of that stuff. And I used my third hand, uh, or, uh, or what does Jeff Fader call it? It's like the, uh, um, your forge balls or something <laughs> like using your <laughs> balls hand so basically you're taking your tongs that you're holding on to the steel or i was holding on to because i had a long piece of mild steel i was just holding on to the end of it that wasn't hot and i put it between my legs and held on to it so that i could use one hand for the hammer and the other hand for the chisel and that's one of the reasons why you want your anvil at the right height uh, usually you, the kind of rule of thumb for anvil height is that you should be able to stand next to your anvil, hold your arms down to the side and make a fist, which is the way you would be holding a hammer and your fist should be resting basically on the anvil. Yours is a little low. Mine is a little low. Yeah. And I just have it. I mean, I have it up on a, on a stump that I made and it's a little, a little short, but it's, it's close. It's not bad. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I used my third hand and, uh, um, you know, held on to it that way. So that's just a way to, again, you know, use, utilize some other thing like the Hardy tool. Uh, yeah. So I used in my Hardy tool, which I made a hot cut with my buddy, Sean from crafting life. I want, we made one from, uh, I don't know, some old hammer. I just, it just ground down the head and then we, um, we forged the hardy end out the one inch square end. Um, and we actually did like co-forging. So I was, I would hold the hammer or the flatter and he was hammering with a sledgehammer. So we did that together. Um, and so that fits in there. So I cut that. Um, then once that was, then I put just, I just put a piece of square stock, like a three quarter square stock into the hardy hole. And then, um, I, I spread the, once I cut the top, I spread it out. And the way I did that to be able to spread them both away from each other is I actually bent them, um, 
the flat way first away from each other. So I just bent one side down, flipped it over and bent the other side down just about an inch or so. So then I had a little bit of space and then I went and used over the horn, kind of hammered those hooks over the horn, um, the horn of the anvil to be able to, to round them. Once I got them apart, then I flattened them back out. So then they were both again, going straight out from the sides of the flat, um, of the, the parallel with the flat of the bar stock and then used the, uh, square stock in the hardy hole just to bend them around. So, really gently. And that's when I switched over to using the, uh, the ball peen hammer, which is a little bit lighter. So I could do that kind of delicate work. So then once I had my two hooks on top, um, looks like an upside down W basically and with rounded bottoms. Uh, and then I put the other, you know, cut it to the right length, which happened to be 11 inches and put that, the, the cut end back into the forge and heated that up. And then, um, I did, uh, which, Another technique that's great for, you know, learning blacksmithing is doing scroll work. So learning how to bend something over the end of the forge and work it back against itself to roll it on itself. So I started off with just that, the three quarter flat stock on the edge of the anvil, hammered it. So it bent down to basically about, you know, 90 degree with it. Now at that point has like a gentle curve. And then once I get to that point, um, then flipped it back up. So the curve is now coming up away from me and I'm still flat on the anvil and then just hit the curve, the curved end with the hammer. So it starts bending back toward itself and then just working it, you know, back and forth. So, um, you know, a little bit on the end, hammering it back toward the steel and then a little bit tipping it up and hammering it down onto itself. So it curls under to make a scroll. And that's, you know, you'll see decorative scroll work on the end of like fences and you'll see it on blacksmith blacksmith knives and things and hooks and nails and all sorts of decorative work. And that's something that is just a really good uh, thing to practice. One of those other techniques, which is another reason why I thought this would be a fun video because it's one of those things that you see people do all the time, but you don't necessarily know how they do it. So learning that being able to bend the tip over and then flip it and bend it, you know, start hammering it back into itself until it rolls back on itself. Right. Um, so then I had, made that, made the scroll and then back into the forge, um, and then made the hook going the opposite direction. So I just did that uh, over the horn of the anvil. And then I had on my, on the face of the anvil, I drawn with a piece of chalk, the hook size that I wanted. I knew I wanted it like two inches wide and mm -hmm. I just drew a hook size using the first one so I could keep consistency. So I would just, you know, work it over, put it up on the anvil, look at it. And if it fit, great. If not, I just back into the hardy tool and, or over the horn and just keep working it. It's a pretty simple project. Um, uh, once I did get a good, um, I can't remember some of the comments, but someone suggested, uh, dipping the scroll into water. So it's cool. Um, before I hammered the end in and I had seen that done before. And I thought about it. I think, I think that I was just the, the, um, the steel was hot enough and it's soft enough that it didn't just didn't like deform the scroll while I was hammering on it to make the main hook. Mm. Um, but that is a good technique if you want to, especially if you're doing scroll work and you've done your little scroll and now you want to make a hook like I made for, um, another video we did with some, with some, with some forging was the, uh, bottle openers or I did some, I did a twist and scroll and oh, a hook okay. and all. Um, in that video, you'll see that I did that. I actually used the, after I made the scroll and I wanted to make the hook, I'd heat up the end of it and then dip the scroll end into water to, to, you know, to cool down that. And then I could hammer on the scroll end without deforming it at all. Um, and the other thing which, which I kind of focused on a little bit in the video and was something that was important was doing multiples of things and having things going. So when you're forging, 
if you're doing something like, uh, you know, I was doing eight of these hooks, so I needed to, you know, have the right time to be able to get this stuff done and, and to utilize my time, I'd have multiples at the same time going. So I'd have two or three in the forge heating up that I could pull one out, do a step, put that back in, pull the next one out, do the same step, put that back in. And I would get all the steps done on all of them basically. And then by the time I had the third one done on this first step, the first one would be warm again and I could actually then pull it out. So it was just the amount of time waiting between heats. Usually if you're working on one thing, you have to put it in the forge and then you're standing around waiting. Right. And it's a good time to prepare yourself and know what you're going to do and plan out your next move because you know, conserving and utilizing that heat is the most important thing in blacksmithing is pulling it out of the forge and doing what you need to do while it's still hot because it's going to cool down really quickly. And as soon as you put it on the anvil, the anvil surface is going to suck the heat out of it. So, right. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that was one of the things. And again, you know, with blacksmithing, you have to have this like confidence in what you're doing because you're working with really dangerous materials and you can burn yourself or hurt yourself or hurt someone else close by. So having that confidence, knowing that seeing, seeing that hook and knowing I could do it, um, was, was enough to give me the confidence to know, let me give this a try. And I had the tools. I knew I could do it with what I had with the hot cut tool and the anvil that I do have. Um, so it was just getting one or two done and, and then getting the steps quickly. But, um, but yeah, having that confidence and knowing like, you know, you're going to make the right strike. That's something you got to build up in blacksmithing. So you'll see a lot of people when they start out and I still do it. You have like you know, a thumb on the back of the hammer or you're choked up really high and you're doing these little light blows because you, you haven't built up that control of hammer, you know, the hammer control yet. Mm-hmm. And you need that. And that's the difference. You'll see that it's a very blatant difference between um, blacksmiths that have been doing it for a while and ones that are getting started is that they're, you know, they're swinging their hammer full tilt when they're making moves, you know, cause they're like, bam, bam, bam. They know that when they bring that hammer down from their head, it's going to hit exactly where they want it. Or they know that they're controlling the hot steel the way they want to, which is another thing that's important. Um, one of the things I didn't say before, but if you're getting to blacksmithing, you're going to need something to hold your steel. Um, so that's the fourth thing is some type of tongs. Now you can use vice grips or oh, you can true, use, yeah. you know, pliers. And I have a couple pairs of pliers and things, but then I also have, uh, some blacksmithing tongs, ones that I've made and ones that I've found at other shops and bought as well. Um, there are some pretty cool resources online where you can buy blacksmithing tools, some that are already pre-made for you and some that are like, uh, laser cut out or water jet cut out. So they'll, cu- they'll cut out the steel and they'll have it already. And then you basically finish it. So they send you, um, They'll send you a kit with both, you know, pieces of the tongs, but they're not riveted together. So then you have to like shape the end, do what you want. Maybe put in a V, if you want V jaw or something, you have to cut the V or you have to shape the end to do, you know, whatever you want. Or if you're doing like pickup tongs, they might have you shape the end down and then you drift the hole or drill the hole, depending on what you're going to do. And then, you know, rivet, hot rivet it together. So, and that, and that can save you a bunch of money. I know there's some pretty good deals where you might pen, spend, you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks or so for six or eight different tools. You just have to put the work in to make them, finish right. them. So, but it's pretty cool. It's a cool, it's a cool option for someone who's getting started. Um, and a great way to learn if you make your own, uh, tongs, you'll see a lot of, a lot of, um, intro blacksmithing classes are on making tongs because it's again, one of those projects that you can do lots of different skills, like using the front of the anvil, using the back of the anvil to do different tapers and things and bending and, you know, and drifting holes um, and long tapers on your reins and things like that. Yeah. I, and I think if you have the 
right? The bare bones stuff yeah. that we talked about earlier. Making those uh, things like hooks and decorative things and things that everybody can use. Right. Like we all can, especially if you have a shop or you got some type of outdoor area or a, a barn or a shed. Right. That's kind of fun. You can you can make a bunch of them. Right, right. And they all they all will work. It might be not the prettiest, and your first bunch might not be like, but they'll all hook and be steel and be able to hold whatever you want. Right. Drill two holes in them, you can screw them into anything. Yeah, exactly. And something like a, <clears throat> uh, a bottle opener, too. Very simple. You can practice that, and that's fun. You can right. give them to give those to people, and it's, it's relatively simple. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, those are, those are again, yeah, kind of simple projects and not as easily doable as some other things. So again, like you said, if you want to make a bunch and give them away as gifts, people are like, Oh, you know, there's, there's a certain level to blacksmithing that's above, not really above, but other crafts, I guess, you know, like if I were to cut out like a bunch of, I don't know, wooden hearts and give them away for Valentine's day to, you know, my nieces and, you know, nephews, things like that and cousins or whatever, that would be different than, something forged out of steel. Right. There's something more permanent to it. And there's an elevated level of, of maybe danger. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> You're like, Oh yeah. man, this and is, you I feel like most and... people, you don't even think about moving steel, right? It's steel. It is what it is. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's cut wood. Everyone's done at least something right with yeah, wood. Exactly. Even in, you know, uh, preschool and stuff. And, uh, you're, you're like yeah, making popsicle sticks making you're, you take a little wood board and you nail the nails into it yeah, and or you right. cut the wood board out and not not in preschool but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah that's yeah it's definitely something that i think there also used to be a lot more in shop classes in the in 80s high and 80s and stuff. before you know where you could actually take some metal working and do some forging things like that i mean that wasn't available when i was or at least it might have been at the votech school but not not in the normal uh normal high school for you know we had shop class i guess when i was in middle school there was a shop and we did you know like making plastic into call into like ashtrays and things and <laughs> oh yeah that's like, right the good like shape the uh the plastic and you put the four nails right. in and you push it down right. after you heat it up you and heat the it's weird that's the only thing i can remember from that class because i i'm sure we did some other cool stuff but <laughs> i did a what a boxwood car or whatever or whatever the, oh yeah the pinewood derby cars pinewood derby yeah those were kind of cool yeah, yeah, nothing. I think we did do that. I too. guess th- there was shop in my high school too. I just didn't take many of the classes, or it was right. a different. I, I forget. Yeah, I, I guess I would have. I just didn't. Right. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I know that there was attached to our high school was the Votech Center, so there may have been. You know, there. I'm sure there was all sorts of stuff. Maybe one too many fingers rolling. got cut off, and they stopped <laughs> funding it. <laughs> That's a shame. Who needs fingers? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so uh, I did mention in that video uh, that we were going to be building a new forge, which I've built, and we have a video on that and actually building the forge. And um, uh, one of the things that I hear a lot of discussion about in different podcasts and people ask questions all the time is like, what's what's better or you know, people will ask professionals what they prefer they say, do you think I should build this thing or do you think I should buy it? And that's something that comes up with, you know, knife grinders and you know, all sorts of different tools, things that people can actually build on their own, like 
you know, forge presses and things. And, and there's always this debate. It's like, how much money do you want to spend? And also when you have that maker switch, do I want to <laughs> not spend so much money and make it myself? Right. Put that time and effort into it. And, um, so my, uh, my buddy Sean and I, we wanted to build forges, brick forges. So we're, again, we had to look up how to make it on our own. Um, and one of the things that you need, obviously for a forge, if you're going to do a propane forge is you need some type of blower burner. Um, and that's where your actual fire is coming out of. And so, uh, there are lots of different ways to make burners, venturi burners and all sorts of different ones. Um, and so we, we kind of priced it out and we made, uh, some, we made a burner and it, I think it was about 60 bucks or something like that to get all the pieces to make, make the burner. Um, and that's not a huge difference in price when it comes to making one yourself or getting one made. Um, right. I did end up getting, I bought two burners and I can't remember the place exactly off the top of my head, but two burners with the attachment to be able to run them to one hose and into my forge. I mean, into the propane tank. Um, and I think I, I think I spent $150 or something like that for both of them, maybe 160. So that ends up being 75 or 80 bucks. Right. burner but that also comes with the hoses that run it into the forge and the and the coupler and you know and all the valves and everything so um it was definitely worth it so yeah. i would say you know weigh your options weigh your prices you know if you can really save a decent amount of money by making things yourself and also you know again i always refer back because we have a youtube channel but definitely look on youtube look up different people because there are going to be tons and tons of people who've already done it and they're either successful or they were not successful but either way you're going to learn from their video um i know somebody one of the guys that uh, we really like has a good video is uh um redbeard ops he's got a good video recently um on a burner i'm not sure how recent it was but it's it's pretty inexpensive i think he only spent 20 or 25 bucks on his so you know that's something you can get and make for a good price definitely uh Definitely do it. You know, if you have the time and you have the wherewithal and you can actually build something like that on your own and you feel confident, I would always say try to build it first. Because then if you do end up buying one later, you're going to really respect the build of that piece. Yeah, unless though, <clears throat> unless you, I mean, something, I feel like something like a a burner, you can get it, they, they can lower the price down to such a point because right. they make so many of them. Right. And they have, it doesn't take them as much time right. machining out the certain things and cutting the holes and, and getting the valves set up right. That's, I feel like you could really struggle with trying to get that right. Yeah. And I'm spending a lot more time. Right. And I that's mean, the other it, thing that, That's the free thing. Yeah. If you have a bunch of time, which I guess a lot of us do right now. <laughs> right. But if you don't and you end up spending a couple of weeks just like adjusting and going yeah. down and. and right. And not having someone there to talk to and ask, you know, and that was actually one of the problems we ran into when we were building the first one is that we were having troubles with it and there was no one to ask or no one who had made one that we could say like, Hey, why is this happening? Right. You know, without reaching out to somebody, which we ended up doing, you know, we put up different videos of it burning on different places and we're like, somebody help us out. What's going wrong? <laughs> or why am, I, why am I not getting this or this or this? And, you know, and it was, it ended up being something that, like the one issue we were having was when you're running your fuel, your propane into the burner, into the burner, you need a small, um, basically hole that spits the propane in really small and then you need air around it and the fire. Uh, so a lot of them will use little MIG tips. So for a, for a MIG welder, they have these little brass tips, um, and they have different diameters for the, the size MIG, um, wire you're using. 
And so those are threaded and you can thread them in and we thread them into a, like a quarter inch, um, brass pipe or copper pipe that went across and we had that all fitting. Now the pipe, the walls of the pipe that we fit into were thin enough that when we actually tapped it and put it in, it didn't do a good enough seal Mm. because the walls were so thin. So we were losing propane out of that seal rather than just going through the, through the copper pipe and straight down into the MIG tip and blowing straight down the burner. And that's not something that anyone would would have been able to tell us just based off of what they were seeing in a video. They could tell us like, these are some of your common mistakes that happen Mm. But no one mentioned that. It was just something that we ended up looking at and we're playing around with stuff. And I was, I think I was holding the pipe and holding the, um, the MIG tip and it was kind of wobbling in the, you know, inside the hole. And I was like, well, of course that's, that's our problem right there. Right. It's not a good seal. It's kind of sitting in there. So we're not getting good fuel down, but, and that is one of the things. Yeah. I mean, if you have, if you can spend a little bit more and buy it, especially with something like that where it's propane, yeah. it's fire and it's gas and you know those are some of the things you have to decide what you know what you want to spend your money on i think that's a good one to spend your money (laughs) yeah it's turned out great they they've worked it out yeah and when you do have the issue you just email the company yeah right hey this is what happened they go yeah or they already have faqs on the on the website yeah you know they have one of those what's your issue and here's the four things that it might be right yeah yeah, usually you'll get pretty decent customer service when you're dealing with a company that's making something like that, especially if it's something that's potentially dangerous. You know, they want to make sure everyone's doing it correctly. Right. Or they already have the videos right. up yeah. of your specific product. Right. Yeah. yeah. Do this and this. And, you know, it you needs may. to be this far into the hole and you need to have this much air around it and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Certain things. Safety too. Just yeah. maybe. Because like you said, you're not saving that much. Right. If you're going to save 20 bucks. Okay. It's not really worth it right right you're gonna save yourself twenty dollars but you're gonna spend 10 more hours yeah exactly so how much is your time worth yeah yeah two bucks an hour again that's that's the great debate (laughs) what's it worth you know is it worth for and the other thing you know um depending on your financial situation obviously if you have the money to do it and you know getting something like that is a great way to support someone else as well. You know, so someone else is making these things and selling them. So, you know, if you're able to buy it from someone else, you're supporting a different company. You know, you're giving your support out there too for other people who are interested in what you're interested in. So yeah. there's always that mindset. And, and, well, yeah. And specific things like that maybe are, are made in, in wherever your country is. Right. Maybe yep. you want to support them. And yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's someone local. Yeah. If you can find, you know, if you if you want to spend the money and and you have the time to look around and you, and you have someone local near you, it's always good to support your local makers and stuff. And people like specialty items like that. Um, obviously, they could be manufactured, you know, globally and and huge huge amounts. You know, when you're when you're getting up into big product industry forges and things, those obviously you're not they're not just being made by small companies. Or they could be made but they're ma- they're making them with like high restrictions and things and they might be manufactured in China or wherever, you know, might be somewhere else that, you know, you might not want to get from because you don't necessarily agree with the way they're handling that type of stuff. Right. But usually when you're working with um I don't know, maybe like maker things, you know, like I, like the Bill Banky file guide, you know, that was an awesome tool. Everyone used Bill Banky, everyone all like in the knife industry, everyone loves and uses Bill Banky file guides to do knife grinding. 
And that's like one dude, one knife maker at his house or whatever. Right. And I mean, he might have some employees, but he's, you know, he doesn't have, you can't order online. There's no like Amazon. I mean, I'm sure you can get Bill Banky from other sources. I think Alex Steele actually might sell Bill Banky file guides. But, you know, when I was interested in the Bill Banky file guide, it was like, email Bill Banky and he'll send you an invoice. Right. <laughs> so it was like, you know, something that big where you would think, oh, that's like the name in file guides in the industry. He's got to have, you know, a warehouse or a manufacturing plant somewhere else that's doing it all. And it's, no, that's, you know, it's still pretty small. And you're emailing him directly and he emails you back or, you know, his assistant or whatever. So that's pretty cool. It's a lot of these things that are specific bits for hobbies and stuff. Right. Uh, the one part to help you with this, with your right. hobby or with, even if it's your professional, it's, but then by the time you get there, you got all types of machines, professional right. knife maker that. Yeah. I mean like, like an even heat kiln, even heat, you know, they're making their kilns in a warehouse with 10 or 15 employees. Right. And even heat again is like, is the name in, in kilns in the business. I mean, there's other ones as well, but that's when, you know, people who, that's the one everyone always thinks of first is even eating. They're still just a kind of a small company, I think up in Michigan or, you know, somewhere Vermont or Maine or something like that. Um, but they're doing, you know, it's a sm- relatively small business and they're a big, a big company. They do great stuff. Right. Try to give a good price. Yeah. I mean, and again, you know, they might, they're, I'm, I'm sure they're not buying all of everything they're making. They're not making from scratch in their warehouse, you know, the, all the little, temperature controllers and elements and all electronics and stuff. I'm sure they're outsourcing from other places, but that's still like a small company that's making something specialized for you. Um, and that's one of the things you can do most of the time as a maker is that you're looking for things that are specialized to what you want to make. So going back to the getting into blacksmithing, if you want to support other makers, there's lots of great makers that make hammers and uh, all sorts of oh, right. blacksmithing tools, you know, so you can get, you know, tools and things from other makers and support them as makers, which is always fun as well. But they're going to cost some money because, you know, it takes time and effort. That's what you're paying for is you're paying for their time and their, like, their guarantee and their standard as, you know, professionals in what they do. Right. The the, the um, less people you have working on the stuff, the, the price goes up. Right. You know, one guy, he's going to be able to do this type of price. Yep. Ten, he's going to be putting out a lot more. I was also, I read a quote looking for quotes. Uh, this week I read one. It was like something. If you have a backlog of products, you're not charging enough. Like or if I'm back ordered, you know, yeah. then you haven't set your, your price to the proper point. You know, if you make a knife for 20 bucks, you'll right. get a thousand people wanting to buy your knife. Right. You do it at 300, 200, 400. Yep. Then you'll, a couple grand. Then you'll, I mean, as long as you, you think you have the item that's quality enough, but right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things. Yeah. Again, it's goes back to what's your time worth. Um, and I think people, people buy, um, like special products from people who make it because they want to, they want to support that maker, but they're invested in the maker, which we talk about a lot. It's like people will watch our channel because they're invested in the channel. Sometimes I say that, but then even we've got like 5% of our subscribers who watch and the rest of people are just, you know, casual. Right. Um, but when you're buying something from somebody, like there's been a decent amount of interest in the journey knife that we've, we did the video on. Um, and those people, they're interested in buying that knife because they want to have a piece. They want to feel like they're a part of the channel. 
Right. It's well, not, yeah, they, they're right. They they like you. They've watched you make yeah, things, and right. they want to have something made by you. It's almost like uh, a very uh, much more simple version of that is when you go to a craft fair, mm-hmm. or you go see something, or you go to a um, re- Renaissance festival, and you see the glass blowers blow the glass. Right. Right. And it just ends up being a little a bulb or something, or or a globe, or something simple, a small a vase or something. <laughs> And then, you know, it's like 50 bucks. Yeah. And you would never spend $50 for a piece of glass. You know, you know I can go to the thrift store and get one for a dollar. Right. Because it's so. <laughs> what am I going to do with it? What's the point? Yeah. You know? Like, all right, we've got a bunch of those. But when you see the person make it, okay. Then all of a sudden, you're invested in it and you don't yeah. mind paying more and you're excited about it and you show it off. You yeah. Know? You're buying that story. It's like yeah, Venetian, Venetian blown glass and, right. and stuff like that. People go to Italy and they get this stuff or this crystal or whatever. And it, yeah. Yeah. It's a cup. But yeah, you got you, you went you went you, you went there. to Venice and you saw uh, an Italian guy do yeah, it. And then right. yeah, you yeah, had a little money in your pocket uh, and you spent a hundred bucks on exactly, that thing yeah. <laughs> and flew it back to wherever you're from in in your on your lap. Yeah, right. You're really careful with it, right? Yeah, you're buying that that experience. You're mm-hmm. paying for that, and then again, you're you're invested in that where it came from, who made it, you saw it made, or you know you want to be a part of that. So you're paying for that. That's that's the price that you're paying for. Knowing that, and again, you know, it goes back to like buying art too. People buy art because they want to support the artist or they really enjoy the piece, and you know, so it has that value to them more than just what it is. Right. I got a uh, one more quote on that. I actually <laughs> found an extra quote this week. Uh, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 it's just what we're talking about. Yep, buy once, cry once. <laughs> Alex Steele's, I think I heard it from him the first time. He says it fairly often. It's like, <laughs> you're going to pay for it, and right. that might be tough in the beginning, but you're only going to do it once. Yeah, and and the, the, the sweetness yeah. of a low price on something yeah. is quickly forgotten, right. for sure. Because you, for, oh, what, how, how much did I spend? Whatever, I got a deal. I, it was like 20 bucks off, you know. Yeah. If you can, obviously, afford it, go ahead, put the money up front, and you'll... Love it a lot longer and appreciate right. it probably. Right. It'll last you a lot longer too. That's one of the things is like, you know, you want to spend some money on, there are some things you want to spend money on and some things where, where, you know, you can save some money and you're probably good. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, we going to, uh, we have some comments from the video. Um, and some of these are just regular comments. Some are questions. Um, yeah. And again, if you, if you guys want to send any questions or comments to the podcast directly, Yep. Or something you want us to discuss. We're always open because we're we're finding guests and we're trying to build what we're talking about every week and trying yep. to get a entertaining, fast move. Not fast moving. I mean, we're going to sit here and talk, but right. Uh, but something ch- that's ch- interesting. Chock to full to. of fun stuff. Yeah, so, right. I mean, we're still uh, a real nice small podcast. <laughs> so any any questions that come in yep. at the Art of Craftsmanship at Gmail, yeah, we'll answer and we'll we'll talk to you guys and then. Uh, Try yeah. to get them answered up. Yeah, definitely. You could always also just send them to uh, Instagram as well. You could DM uh, directly to Instagram at the, at the Art of Craftsmanship. And I, Dustin, I run the Instagram page. So whatever you're sending through comes to me most of the time. Um, all right. So the first comment um, is from Abby Babby. <laughs> and Abby says, well done, sir. A really good practice for speed and accuracy is to make nails. My grandpa was a blacksmith amongst other professionals and he made me nails by the hundreds. Um, and then actually there's someone who replied to that comment that says, I'm surprised he didn't forge nails or at least bolts, bolt heads to make them look old. Um, and so, um, 
I want to talk about that comment because I did take the the first blacksmithing class that I made was a nail making class. So it was like that specifically, like how to make nails. Um, and you know, that was, that was a really interesting class and you know, you, ha- you don't have to have the right stuff, but if you're using say like quarter inch round stock, that's, that works really well. Cause then you just like forge in a point and you draw it out and then you, hammer the nail and there's like nail and I can't remember now I'm thinking I guess you hot cut it put it in the vise and hammer the end which will then give you the nail head um, and then there are actually like nail heading tools that you can actually put your nail through and hammer it so it's kind of the same thing as like a rivet tool where you're putting it through a space so that way your your nail doesn't flare out you can do it so so is that guy said saying he's surprised that you didn't do him for the uh yeah, the, he the said, I'm hangers? surprised he didn't forge nails, yeah, or at least do heads to make them look old. Well, yeah, but it, it was he, we wanted to screw it into the wall anyway. Right. It's holding heavy-ish guns right, exactly. next We're to a computer, use, above yeah. a computer. Right. You don't want to really use those old nails. To, they might get loose. Yeah. And, and I thought about that, too. I thought about doing something. <laughs> I was like, well, what, you know, because I sent along black screws with the finished uh, hooks just to make sure they had something that was black and not silver. So it would, you know, would just blend in. But I did think about that doing something with, um, you know, bolt head or something to like square it off or hammer it to look flat, but I couldn't do that. They wouldn't be able to actually install it into the walls. So. Yeah. And it, it's, it doesn't do much for it. Right. People don't notice necessarily whether it's a yeah. nail head or a screw head. They are looking at the guns on the wall. Right, exactly. And that's not, the thing. Not yeah, even really gonna... looking at the hooks unless you know someone made them. Like, they might point them out. Like, right. oh, those hooks, you know, this this guy made them for us. Oh, that's cool. They right. actually did it. Yeah, there's a video of it. Oh, but other than yeah. that, they're looking at the guns. They're not right. looking at the they're, hooks. They're made to display the guns, not the hooks. <laughs> and which, that, that's another thing real quick. We, uh-huh. we had, we withheld using pretty much guns in the video just because so many are getting demonetized. Right. Yep. So we were worried. We had to do a little censorship. We just said wall hangers or right display 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 hooks. Yeah, you know, we went over like what can we call them? Right. Like display hooks. And yeah. that was about all we could think of. And maybe yeah. we should have just gone ahead and do the done the the gun stuff. But right. They might it might have been a big video and all of a sudden they demonetize it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's one yeah. Unfortunately one of the things you gotta worry about. Yeah. Oh but, and yeah. not one more thing <laughs> about this video. It was super annoying. All the commercials in it. So I do. We want to. Oh, yeah. I want to apologize to everyone. We have. We've. If you don't know, YouTube recently just automatically they kind of snuck it in. Uh, they kind of went. We sent you one email saying if you. It, it was almost like it. It was automatically going to do it. They were automatically right. going to add. Yep. A bunch, like at least two every ten minutes, a bunch of ads to every video unless you get went in. Went to your account, said no first, and like did a couple things. Right, yeah. So most people, you get a lot of a lot of emails from YouTube and a lot of different. So you kind of just oh uh, like whatever. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they just drop a bunch of automatic ads, on, and people probably noticed. Yeah. Uh, have noticed not just yeah, on ours, but comments, on yeah. but on but on everyone's. Yeah. So I'm gonna go out and at least clear most of them. Maybe one leave one in the middle for long videos, but right. I'd rather just clear them all out again. Yeah. Especially because it was really annoying. Yeah, <laughs> it was like a sixteen-minute video, and I saw like three or four ads, and I I was sitting there rolling my eyes at right. it on our own videos, like oh. <laughs> almost like. <clears throat> and when you see those ads, it's you're kind of blaming the people, right? You're like oh, stupid art of craftsmanship, like right, another one, exactly. Really, yeah. even though like we didn't put them there. We, yeah, someone commented on. Oh yeah, he was like, really, so many ads, so many ads, I couldn't watch. And that was a lot. Uh, one of our some of our longer videos, like right. forty minutes, they're getting slammed with like. 
10 ad breaks. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's nuts. Yeah. So, and I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're going to try that. We're going to yeah. take out almost all of them. Right. It should just be something in the beginning you can skip past or maybe something at the end. Right. We don't want. Yeah. And it's really not making us much more money, I don't think. Maybe it's gone up a hundred bucks or something a month. Yeah, it's, right. it's not worth. We're, it's, tr- we're yeah. trying to build our channel. We're not trying to pump ads into people. Right. That are going <laughs> to make us pennies per video. It's, right. Exactly. There's no point. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, if just know that if you see ads in like that, that wasn't our decision. We've been our decision er, very early on when we first started was like we want to do these and we don't want to have ads. You yeah. know, we don't want to do parts and we don't want to do ads in the <laughs> right. middle because those are just super annoying when you're watching. Yeah, and you know, YouTube's pumping stuff out. They're trying to make every you know idea. I mean, they're trying to make themselves more money, but it is making money for us too. So if you if you see a video and we haven't changed it or whatever, or you get one or two ads, just know that. Those ads are there. They are supporting us. Right. I know. mean, skip them if you can. Yeah, skip like, them when you can. If it's not one of those 15-second ones, if it <laughs> yeah. says after five seconds you want to skip, go ahead. If you're not uh, interested. Yeah, I always it, tell people, skip them. If, if you're not interested <laughs> in whatever the product is, like it doesn't matter to us. Yeah. As long as you're, you're watching, if you want to support, just watch and maybe comment and like. That's all you got to yep. do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but so that's an, so. But so what I got to do is go back to every video, manually go into the video. Go into edit. Go into turn off automatic ads. They won't let you just do a switch for all of them, of course. So I'm over this next week. I'm going to take time and sit there and go in every video and turn them off because we don't like it. And it was annoying watching our own videos yeah. with all those in it. Yeah, definitely. But uh, uh, yeah, the next uh, we'll do another comment. This top one here. Mm-hmm. Found your channel yesterday and instantly subscribed. Oh yeah. <laughs> what pound anvil are you using and where do you get it looking to start a small setup like you have which is good yeah so hopefully um brent bondora hopefully he's listening to this yeah so he got some uh, tips we, right yeah off we talked yeah we talked about it a little bit straight off the bat but just again i'll just re- reiterate that i was using the harbor freight uh anvil 55 pound anvil uh for for a beginner anvil i think i, I think it's 60 bucks something like that so it's a good price for something that you can you can start out with and it'll do exactly what it needs to do to get you learning how to use uh, you know, hammer and hot steel. Yeah, and if you, I mean, if you Harbor already, Freight. if you shop at Harbor, if you shop at Harbor Freight, <laughs> you know what Harbor Freight is. Right, that's what it is. So if you already have some tools from Harbor Freight, then you're not going to be too worried about it. You're right, not gonna be too picky. And yeah, it's Chinese crap. I mean, it kind of is, but yeah. you, you can you can buy it and get started. Right, exactly. They're great. Yeah, it's a great great resource for getting into things. Yeah. Um, as an example, I bought my first. Maybe I, don't know, I forget when it was, but the first drill, battery powered drill, I got was from Harper Freight, and it was pretty junky, you know. But it did what it needed to do for a while, and the what's it called? Uh, a Fawalt? Fa- <laughs> no, I think it was like a Chicago, Fakita, Chicago Electric, oh, probably. Chicago that's Electric. Yeah, I think that's probably what it was. Um, it wasn't like they have they have kind of brand stuff now. They have like the Heart and Hearts Walmart. Heart. Oh, uh, what's the blue? Oh, whatever. They have like a blue line, the red line. Uh, okay. They're like they're kind of more professional. I mean, I think ones. I think it's Walmart, Triton, or something. But um, yeah. So they have they have a little bit better quality stuff now. But um, at the time it was relatively cheap, and you know it was easy, and it worked well for what it was for a while. And then and then I upgraded. You know, when I got more serious about using those tools, and I upgraded to professional tools. Um, but M- the same Milwaukee. thing, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, the good land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the heart tools. They're white. 
The Walmart tools. Are they? So what an ugly, an ugly, I mean, they got to find a color. We're kind of running out of the different colors, but the, the, uh, heart power tools are white. Hercules. That's the, the blue. Uh, you just, pulled, blue, it, you just yeah. pulled out a drill bit set. <laughs> yeah. I just got a drill bit set from, which actually really good drill bits. I'm really happy with them. Uh, the Hercules drill bits, 21 piece. There you it's go. Like 19 bucks or something. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. If you, um, you know, if you want something that'll st- help you start out with, it'll work really well. Uh, but it's not the best thing. It's not that responsive. Yeah. It doesn't bounce back at you. Right. And the, the top is not very hard. So I have quite a few dents in the surface. So it's kind of like a, um, uh, a a guitar, yeah. We can right. all learn on a, a, a guitar that's yeah, tough to play, or something, or yeah. And the more money you put into it, the better the action is. It's right. always hard to push down the strings, things like that. But usually, by the time you get there, you've maybe you can learn on. The, it's always it. Maybe it's always not. Maybe it's it's good to start <laughs> out on a harder thing, because by the time you do get that quality, which we've all maybe experienced, it's uh it's great. You're like, oh, this is so nice. Yeah. This yeah. is what it should be. This right. feels great. But by then, you've suffered a little bit through it. Right, exactly. Like, oh. And that also that leads me into the next comment, which is the same thing by Steve Kingsbury. He says, uh, nice project, really like your little forge. Just shows you don't need big bucks to get started in working with forging of tools, knives, and art projects. So again, it's mm-hmm. like you can you can start out when you when you want to build an interest in something, that's when you spend a little bit less money. It, you know, decide if you want to do it or not right if it's something if, if you want to do it for a hobby and do it occasionally then only you know buy the cheap thing that'll that'll do just what you need to do um but you know really you you know if you get into something and you start to enjoy it then it's worth your own time and money because you enjoy it to spend more money on something yeah um so yeah let's see here you go here's a there comment uh, that's cool. What's the best place, uh, or how to go about getting, finding the tools and anvil tools? Yeah. So they're just asking S- like SD mountain man. So asking again, where's the best place to find stuff? Um, and I did go over that a little bit, but again, I'd like to reiterate that, you know, spending some time, you can look on Craigslist and you can look on, there's all sorts of different websites specifically for blacksmithing. You can get into that stuff too. Um, but, um, you know, Learning how to make your own tools is really good. So you can look at, you know, look up how to make some stuff and spend that time on, um, just, you know, getting, getting better at what you're doing by making things is always fun. I like doing that. Like we made the hot cut tool and I made a pair of, uh, knife making tongs. Right. And you know what? Even if it is the same amount of money or a little less, and if you just want to do it for something to do, right? Yeah. It's obviously (laughs) just fun to do sometimes. Right. And you know, you feel good that you have something you built. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, those using those tongs, I always, you know, they're not the greatest tongs. (laughs) They're, they're a little thin in spots. And so I have to re, you know, I have to adjust them occasionally and get them to hold right. But you know, they work well. Um, but I found a lot of stuff at flea markets and things, you know, you kind of keep your eye out. And again, once you, once you start looking for stuff and then you're, then you're ready, right. Then you're, then your eyes out for it. So, you know, I always look for axes. <laughs> right. So I always know that the easiest way for me to find an ax is to look for ax handles. So you might have an ax and the head is on the ground behind three or four things with the handles leaning up against a wall. And I see that, you know, like, Oh, there's an ax handle. And we get a look and I pick it up and it's got like, you know, a, a mall on the end of it. I'm like, ah, damn it. It's a mall, <laughs> not an axe or a pickaxe. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, oh, right. man. But a lot of times I'll find axes that way by seeing handles. Yeah. Um, any more comments? 
Let's see. No, I think that's good. I did have a comment about the guy who actually. So, so I mentioned earlier. Someone, someone mentioned in one of the comments about like quenching the scroll before I put the hook on to not damage the scroll, and that was actually give him credit. That was Jailer two three zero four four on YouTube. He says, if you quench the scroll when you pull the piece out of the forge, you can bend the hook with no fear of distorting the scroll. Surprised you didn't punch and drift the holes instead of drilling them. I would have enjoyed seeing that. And that was the other thing too. I didn't actually drift the holes and drifting hole means basically taking a punch. So a round punch would be, um, it would be a a tapered steel punch that then has a flat end because what the punch does, it actually shears the steel on the inside. So you're having like a flat end. So it's not like a, a pointed punch where you have like a center punch, which you would use just to put a hole, a small hole. Right. So you could punch that and set your hole. But then, then you use um, a punch or a drift, which would actually be a flat-ended thing, and that would punch. It would shear off a, a um, you know, a piece of the steel inside. And the reason why I didn't do that is because I didn't want to distort the hook. Um, if you if you punch it, then you're going to squeeze. It's going to push out the sides, and it's going to distort the hook. Right. And since I already had it the way I wanted it, it wasn't necessary. Again, that's one of those things where the hooks were there to display the guns and not display the hooks. So right. <laughs> I wasn't making nails. And I wasn't drifting the holes. I just figured I would be able to do it nice and even and clean with just the drill bit, which I did, and it worked well. And they look nice. Yeah. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll put some. Maybe we should take a. I'll have a do a picture and maybe put them up on Instagram when this comes out. Yeah. Right on. Um, yeah, of, of where they're now because they right. um, they've actually moved since. So now they're in a new room. In their new house, <laughs> actually, it's still the office. Mm. Kind of the same look, kind of the same setup, just in a different place. So they definitely came with them. They didn't leave them. At the <laughs> yeah, there is a, there's a house. clip at the end of the video that Devin shows the hooks in place, right? So they're actually in the room with right. the guns. So if you're interested in seeing how that is, you can check that out. And we'll put that in the show notes down below, the links to uh, to the actual video. All right. So uh, recommendations this week. Um, I'll start, actually. Uh and I'm going to continue my theme of making the big rich channels richer because <laughs> I just keep giving out. <laughs> Have like you heard them. of these guys? Check out Wrangler Star and PewDiePie. <laughs> Those guys are struggling. Help them out. Throw them a like. Right. No, uh, there's a site called Townsend's, or, or it's, it's a website, but it's a it's a guy. It's his last name. He started a company, kind of. It's uh, 18th century lifestyle channel. So they're in costume early American kind of 18th century thing. And they started out making kind of silly, funny videos. Like, I guess it was a long time ago, but that's kind of what YouTube used to be. I think Mm. (laughs) like eight, nine years ago, you know, it was like just goofy things. Right. Like, Oh, this is funny. And then people started actually giving real information. (laughs) Oh, we can do real shows. So then they started doing, uh, we're going to make, um, uh, all types of stuff, but uh, some videos I like. They do a lot of good cooking. They'll mm. take old recipes from early, uh, like oh, that's cool. This was here's a recipe. Let's read it and see. And they'll go like, oh, we'll use this. This is kind of like it. But they'll they'll make old stuff that sailors would eat or oh, yeah. just early frontier people would eat. Very simple, but they're pretty cool. So they have the, so they do a lot of that. But they also he now has a homestead mm. kind of on their their area, and they've been they built a cabin on the homestead, and they they're doing everything. Uh, 18th century. They say it's dedicated to exploring the 18th century lifestyle. 
um, cooking, clothing, living, all that stuff. It's really good. They're they're great. But yeah, like I said, they have over a million subs already, so they're oh, they're yeah. a huge channel. They'll be all right. <laughs> but they just had one um, making historic bellows for some blacksmithing stuff, and they they have a guy who does who constantly does blacksmithing stuff, and you can find stuff on their site. It's that type of thing: hooks and these and things, all types of cool stuff. And uh, it's just good. And the guy John, the main guy, he's really um, yeah. It's it's just fun to watch, and we're trying to get him on the podcast. So. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, <clears throat> John, if you're listening, <laughs> someone love to have you. Those Townsends, we're gonna try to get them on in and talk to them about that stuff. It's, yeah, especially us. We love. I mean, we love all that stuff. It's the homestead stuff. It's the the building stuff. Yeah, right. Um, it's some of the the dressing up. Like we right. we go to Renaissance uh, festivals and stuff. Yeah. We we enjoy that stuff. Yeah, it's that throwback. You want there's there's something that we're missing now that that there used to be, and mm. maybe that's everybody. Like everyone's always like, oh, I wish we could do it the way they used <laughs> right. to do it. Even them, you know. It's like, but there's it, something I guess like some something pure to doing something right. for yourself and on your own and in a in a way that you know your ancestors have done it. Right, appealing. It's, it's fu- right, it's, it's fun. It's fun, yeah. And I think like what you said earlier, you know, where you're you keep doing these recommendations of these big channels, like so it's not. I mean. For the amount of people that are listening to our podcast at this point, it's, it doesn't really matter anyway. But you know, for those of you who are listening, we're just recommending people that we really like. Right. So it doesn't really matter if it's somebody right. big or not. It's just a, it's yeah. it's continuing. It's not. Yeah, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna raise any channel up. Basically, I mean, right. there's definitely I could raise other podcasts up because we're starting <laughs> out. But right. we, I mean, maybe we can help out a smaller YouTube channel a little bit. Right. But yeah. Not not much. So it's just right now. It's stuff we just really enjoy. And right. YouTube's so big, and all these things are. I, I love getting. I love hearing new uh, suggestions and yeah. things because there's channels like this that have 1.4 million subscribers that a lot of people have no idea about. Yeah, I mean, and and I I didn't know about them at all. Not until just recently. I think you subscribed or maybe watched or something through our channel. Through so our, through, it was yeah. like, it was actually subscribed on our channel. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. They were making the bellows for the forge. Yeah. Like, huh? I didn't end up watching it, but I saw it there. <laughs> and I, and like you said, I mean, they have over a million subscribers and I'd never heard of them. So yeah, their cooking stuff is really cool too. So, right. so, uh, there you go. Check that out. All right. So my recommendation for this, uh, week is a blacksmith, uh, YouTuber. His name is, Joey Vandersteeg, V-A-N-D-E-R-S-T-E-E-G, and uh, I've I've um, I've been subscribed to him for a while, off and on, um, and I I just really like his work. It's he does nice like clean forging, but it also seems um, relatable. I guess a lot of times uh, blacksmiths will use i mean you know and rightly so they use these really expensive tools they have like big forge presses and things and um a lot of what he does he does with just hand forging you know so he's doing hand hammering um a lot of times they'll use a striker so someone else with him that'll be swinging a sledgehammer to help him out but he's not using not often using big uh, power tools right which is really nice and but he does you know and he also uses simple materials he does a lot of stuff with um with rebar and he'll show you, he'll be like, all right, let's try to forge weld rebar to this. Like, see, let's see if it'll work or how is it good quality or is it not, you know? So it's those kind of things that I, and I don't necessarily think it's because he's trying to pander to 
uh, beginners, but it's just something he's interested in. He does he does lots of interesting forge welding. So like forge welding is when you're you heat up two pieces of steel to a forge weld temperature, which is usually somewhere in like the two thousand degrees. And it's up above, you know, you want that like bright white heat, and then just smashing it together. Um, you can use mm. a, a like a type of flux or something like borax or something to help uh, remove oxygen between, so you get a really clean uh, weld. But you don't have to, and so. It's one of like the magical things about about steel is you just heat two pieces of steel up <laughs> to red, you know, bright, bright white hot, and then just hammer it together. It'll stick. Yeah, <laughs> like use force. It'll... Yeah, you just put it together, and there it is. You know, <laughs> I mean, welding is like when you think about welding, you're thinking about adding a third thing, some type of material or gas or you know a combination of those to put two things together by yeah. melting them together. But forge welding is just smashing two things together when they're hot and they stick together. Um, yeah, and I, you know, cool stuff. A lot, I, a lot of my favorite videos are the simple, basic ones. How uh, you yeah. do this? How the what, look, we're gonna like the Townsend things, simple yeah, cooking right. things, doing a log cabin. But it's like the whole process. We're gonna show you how we do one one piece of wood at a time. Blah, blah blah. It's yeah. And there's so many more people watching who don't know a lot about these things than right, do because right. these channels aren't for a master blacksmith or, right. or master whatever they're they're just doing their thing right yeah exactly they don't need any of that it's everyone else there's you know 99 yeah. out of 100 people are more interested in how you got there than right than, uh and he, he makes a lot of tools which i really like he does like different uh tongs and forging tools um he'll also make things and then he'll use them you know like he'll make it thinking you know i'm gonna try out this material to try to make this thing in this video and then the next video i'll test out the actual tool to see how well it works wow. so you know he's like he's making it out of something that might be an unknown and then trying it so he'll give you the product and how it works as well which is really nice um and i actually i didn't know this but um until i was looking through a lot of his videos his earlier videos and he actually worked um in a few videos on, with Alex Steele on his channel, they did some like forging together and stuff. So, but, um, but yeah, Joey Vandersteeg, you can also find him on Instagram at blacksmith. Joey, um, he's a really good guy. He's got, um, you know, an okay channel. He's got, you know, starting out pretty good. He's got, I think like 66,000 subscribers. So he's doing pretty good. So we can, we'll try to build him up <laughs> after we just talked about it, but just somebody that, that Wait, I like, I like yeah. watching and he's, it's it, in like, um, like I was think, like I recommended Timothy Dyke last week. Both of them have this way of presenting that feels relatable, which I like. You know, so you feel like it's something. Oh, I can do that, or or at least just the guy's relatable. Mm. You know, you can you feel like he's like a real person, and you're watching yeah. somebody real do something, and you and it makes you feel like you can do it. Which well, yeah, I like number one on YouTube, you got to like the person, right? Yeah, <laughs> there's so many people you're just like, yeah, like that's annoying, and just skip. Right. Um, I got one last question. Do we need blacksmiths anymore? Uh, that is a good question. I mean, I think what most people are doing now, most blacksmiths are doing decorative work. So you're doing like railings and um, also re replacing and doing um, rebuilding older things too. So if you have, you know, historical uh again like railings or hinges or doors you know hardware things like that on these historical houses you need someone to rebuild these things so that way uh you can if you need to rebuild it right to keep the history alive so i right. think that's what i think that's what blacksmiths are doing these days now so they're more uh yeah keeping history alive keeping techniques alive yeah 
and and I mean, in a, like in two hundred years, though, a lot of those things will be gone, right. or or beyond repair. I mean, I'm sure all this stuff goes in and out of fashion, so right. they'll still be handmade, hand forged things. Yeah, and I think that the the um, I think people are starting to there's this resurgence of quality mm. tools, so people are now looking back to blacksmiths to make quality tools right. again. Um, these kind of uh, like fancier you know a tool that has some history to it or has some life in it more than just the cheapest thing something you can get. that was stamped out right or one of know, one thousand that day right exactly yeah or something that you know the quality is in the fact that the the company has a name like a dewalt tool or something right they're gonna their their quality is because professionals use them and they have a, a standard to stay up to right but it's not this you know there's not something special and intimate about that tool right just made in a factory somewhere and they used quality things and they have a good warranty, right? So something happens to it. Yeah. So it's like uh, a lot of those specific things. It's maybe not needed, but wanted for sure. Right. It's almost like, um, like fly fishing. Right. Yeah. You don't need to fly fish. Right. You can get a a, cast and normal everything, but it's, it's the process of fly fishing. Right. That people enjoy making their own, uh, yeah, their own. Yeah, exactly. Make the flies, and then there are like specialty. You know, and then being out there the in silence right. and standing in the water and and doing the movements, kind of this meditative right. metronome thing with your hand. And then yeah, I mean, there's a reason why. Um, there's a reason why uh, Liam Hoffman is doing so well and selling so many axes because there's a resurgence in this idea of you want to do something yourself or try something or make something or have something that's made by someone specifically, you know, people don't need axes. Like, what are we using the axe for? (laughs) A chainsaw, you know? Right. And there are like, there are machines that will do all the splitting for you, big pneumatic machines, but, but there's something really like back to the basics, like we were talking about before about, Mm -hmm. you know, watching those shows that that there's something really nice and really comforting about doing some of these things. And I think that's really where the, the like niche of blacksmithing is now is that people understand that they have a skill that's, that's seen and needed and has this kind of, um, a little area that people really want. And then like you said, that quote earlier is if you have a backlog of too many people wanting your things, then you might need to raise your prices. (laughs) So (laughs) there are, there are people who are doing these kind of niche, making these niche things like bladesmiths, right? So these are people who are, I guess a, a bladesmith. I think there's a distinction. So like a bladesmith is someone who's actually doing smithing on the blades as opposed to just a knife maker who is, who might only be doing, um, stock removal or something right. like that. Right. So, and that, and the distinction there being, you know, someone who does all their own forging might call themselves a knife maker and someone, you know, but so that I think there's a distinction, but you know, those people who are actually creating billets of steel by doing layered Damascus or pattern Damascus, or even just, um, I know there's a maker who, um, he does all reclaim stuff. So he uses, steel found from different things like old plows or old machines or files and things like that. And he spends a decent amount of money just testing that steel to make sure it's good quality stuff before he makes it into, but he he likes the idea of recycling. Exactly. Like there's there's a lot of that stuff out there that gets thrown away or junk. Yeah. And And he has a little pocket of people who are interested in that type of thing. You know, he's gotten into this. And that's that's just fun. Yeah. Like, man, this, I could, I could make this, I could, I could turn this into something cool. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, that's where, that's where the blacksmith has a place these days and it's, and it's coming 
back, you know, somewhere sure. like 20, 30 years ago, it's, it would have even less it, of a place, but it's mainly due to YouTube. Yeah, that's absolutely. It. I mean, that's it. it. And being able to see young people doing it. Yep. And I feel like there's shows on, on regular TV now, but most of them are made because of YouTube's popularity in these type of things. Right. Yeah. Forged and Fire. They made Forged and Fire because of the popularity of knife making right. and, and the popularity the- of all that coming mm-hmm. back. So that's the other thing. It's like if you tell anybody you're a knife maker or a bladesmith, they're like, oh, have you been on Forged and Fire? You know that show, Forged and Fire? Yeah. No, it's an awesome show. And it is. It's like it's. there's been a ton of really awesome knife makers on that show um, and people who've gotten their start, really from from doing that someone like um neil kamimura who's a bladesmith and lives in in hawaii um he's got i don't know like a couple hundred thousand uh instagram followers and, right. uh, yeah, and he sells all his great. knives and you know and, and and he was on i think he was on forge and fire twice Mareko from knife talk was on forge and fire there's a lot of and, and there's a lot of great knife makers and blacksmiths out there that have been contacted and who haven't been on but for one reason or another so it's, know, it's, yeah, it's no, a, it's nice to actually, it's yeah. not something that just old people do somewhere away right. in a mountain somewhere, you know, it's, <laughs> oh, that, that guy, young dude like me. Okay. I'll get into it. Right. Yeah. And that, yeah, that power that comes in, you, know, you got hot fire and steel and hammer <laughs> and, uh, it's so much, so much fun. So cool. And that's just one of those things. Again, like I said, when I started welding, um, you know, in this recent video, when we made the air to craftsmanship sign, that was like the first time I've ever welded, but I, that was like the next step in being a maker was being able to attach steel together. Right. And, uh, and, you know, forging and shaping steel. Cause I had, I'd been doing knife making and some blacksmithing off and on. So I could, I could shape the steel, but I couldn't put it together unless I was doing forge welding, which I haven't tried because, you know, that's a whole different ball game, but being able to do it easier having a welder be able to do it easier was was like the next step in in my making ability yeah pretty cool always moving on yeah, yeah. one day we'll look back you'll cringe a little bit <laughs> oh my god can't believe i did that like um, that. yeah <laughs> one last thing what are you up to now all right so we are um we just finished a video uh we yeah. should we talk about that a little bit what we did sure yeah so we did um we did a really quick one hour challenge making a wooden stool uh like a, a shop stool um, and it's a fairly simple design. We actually talked about the design quite a bit. And then Devin made this great little, uh, cardboard prototype. It was like, <laughs> because we both were, I think we were saying the same thing, but it was like, you need the visual. Right. And we, we had talked about it and he went home and made it and sent me the picture. And I was like, yep, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, you know, right. we were both on the same track. So I, I did a technical drawing of beforehand and then I, we laid out the drawing, cut everything, shaped it, put it together and, uh, and did it all within an hour literally within like an hour yeah. <laughs> like maybe an hour and two seconds actually right. and we only we only had a st- we i mean we ch- we've only done this one other time an hour challenge but this one we only stopped the phone once because it went off right there was yeah. things going bing, bing, noise and stuff so we had to pause it just yeah. just so it wasn't going off in the background just to mute right. it and so, yeah, and, so and, the, and the, respond to whatever it was so we stopped right. but dustin wasn't working then right we don't stop it so he can t- get some other stuff done we just I, we shoot as quick as we can. I try yeah. not to stop. And maybe if it's, if it's something I think is really, really important, right. maybe we'll do two takes of, but I try not to slow them down too much. Yeah. And I mean, you know, that's the thing too. I mean, I, I 
talking to the camera, trying to obviously make the, the video interesting, but, um, also working straight through too. I did, I did think, I didn't think it would take me that long. I was like, hey, 35 minutes, half an hour. Something like that'd be fine. I think it took us like 27 minutes just to do the, or 20, something just to do the drawing, get lay out the drawing on the board to cut. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. If you had already had a, a yeah. um, something to, what do you call it? A, um, a template or something. A template. Yeah. Right. If you right. already had a template, yeah. I could have just traced it. It would have been 30 minutes, but yeah. And I was like, yeah, I don't think it'll be 30. I think it'll be all of the hour, <laughs> but we also, and a lot of people, I guess it's, you always underestimate the time. Like, right. Oh, yeah, we'll knock this out. We do that all the time. Yeah. We'll knock that video out in two days, five days later. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know if we can get it finished tonight. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> But yeah, so so we worked on that this week, and um, I'm working on a, another bushcraft axe, which I started working on that again. I've been working on that for a little bit, but that's for a friend of ours um, who helps do the music for our channel. Oh, yeah. um, Thanks, and man. And then I have a, a knife that I'm working on, a chef's knife that I'm working on for my wife's uncle. He just had his 60th birthday. So Howard, if you're listening, happy birthday. Happy um, birthday. I'm working on that for you. And uh, yeah, other than that, so I got those things kind of going on, and um and yeah, this week I'm going back to work, kind of the prep and um, professional development stuff, going back to teaching, distance learning teaching in Maryland, which will be uh, after, um, it's after Labor Day or whatever. So yeah, Labor Day, is that the one's holiday coming up? Yeah. So well, kids don't come back or we don't start Halloween. distance yeah, until uh, <laughs> that second week of September, but um, the next week and a half or two weeks or so, I'll be doing back into working during the days, filming at night. Yeah, it's going to get a little crazy here. We got yep. that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start editing the uh, machete from the, the sword from machete video just mm-hmm. to get that ready. Yep. Uh, I'm going to finish that chair video, edit that, and then uh, I got my baby coming anytime, yep. you know, in the next. It should be here sometime early September. Yeah, right. So it's going to get a little crazy. I mean, we're definitely going to keep doing the podcast, and we'll have yep. smaller videos, maybe some uh, live things live Dustin can do up. if yeah. I'm not there, maybe a couple weeks in a row, just yep. uh, some cool live streams But that. And hopefully we get, um, we're trying to get another bow video out, yeah, Hick- yeah. Hickory Stave, and talk to a, a guy, get that, and... So we got stuff going on, but it might yeah. get a little And busy. the other thing, I, I don't know if we... I don't think we talked about this yet. We talked about it on the video, which will come out for the stool, but we are ordering two more um, sets of microphones and headphones right, that's a whole so we can thing. actually record more people in the shop together. Yeah. Now, obviously, during COVID, we don't want to encourage too many people to come visit, but we would love to be able to have makers come and visit in the shop and actually record live with them for the podcast. Um, so we were getting two more sets of microphones so we can do four people, and we're going to start out with our uh, our two older brothers, Derek and Drew, so that way all four of us will do it. So you guys get to hear all of us, all four brothers <laughs> talk, and, and we'll see where that conversation goes. But well, I th- we just thought that'd be fun. That'd be fun, yeah. And we'll talk yeah. all about, uh, I mean, my brother Derek has a channel, Man vs. Matrix. We'll talk all about his channel. We'll discuss, uh, Drew's always got projects. Projects. He's the um, mechanical-minded, mechanical yeah. you know, any car things. He loves all that stuff. So we're still going to be discussing all that yeah making, maker stuff maker yeah. stuff but it, it'll, it'll be a blast have a few beers and get together and so yeah we got that and i'm, I'm still trying to get this stuff we ordered it and had right. a couple issues but we'll get that as soon as possible and hopefully before next week ideally it'd be nice but we'll see if you know, as soon as we get it that'll be the next podcast so hopefully be nice if we can get it before next friday um today is tuesday and this podcast will come out on friday so we, i think we'll get it 
we should be able to get everything. And then, uh, and the next time you hear us, we'll be with two other brothers. One, uh, Derek, who has the man versus matrix channel. He and I sound very similar. So we'll have to, we'll, we'll, have, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> you guys will just have to be confused. I think, <laughs> All right, guys. Well, this has been fun. Um, again, you know, we really enjoy just getting together and talking and chatting with everybody. And if you ever have any comments or questions or suggestions, or if you're interested in uh, joining us on the podcast, you can send us an email to the art of craftsmanship at gmail.com, or you can send a DM directly to our Instagram page at the art of craftsmanship. Uh, you can find our YouTube channel on YouTube. That's the art of craftsmanship. Um, and you can also find us on Patreon. Um, if you're interested in supporting the channel or the podcast, um, the podcast is on the Makery Network, um, run by Craig Lockwood from Knife Talk Podcast and all sorts of great um, podcasts on the Makery Network, all high quality maker um, podcasts. So if you're looking for somewhere to go and find some really cool podcasts, that's a great way. And you can also find us and all of those podcasts on all of your normal podcasting networks. So you don't have to go to the Makery Network. You can go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts or whatever it is and type them in and you'll find it. So thank you all for listening. It's been fun hanging out in the shop. We unfortunately did not have beers today, but <laughs> very well hydrated though. We are well hydrated. Uh, thanks for listening and we will talk to you next time. If you like this show, take a look at our other shows made for makers just like you at www.makery.network. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.